Welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hewn. I reject the idea that financial freedom has to wait until retirement. When we slow down to reflect on our values and use money to intentionally support those values, we can move on from a job we hate, waste less money, build greater wealth, and reach financial freedom sooner. Thanks for slowing down with me today. All right. Well, welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast. Valencia, how's it going today? You know what? It's going good. It's going good. Just got back from the beach, so cannot complain. I'm still kind of in that beach flow mode, but I'm getting back into the groove of things. Well, keep that flow going. We like to be relaxed here on this podcast. So, um, Well, listen, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. Um, for those of you listening here at the Affordable Freedom Podcast, uh, we're all about finding financial freedom as soon as possible. So we could all learn from someone like you, Valencia, who achieved financial freedom at the age of 30. And I think your story will particularly resonate with our listeners who would love to have financial freedom to exit the corporate rat race the way you left your decade plus career in the healthcare industry. So um, thank you. I really appreciate you being on here today. Absolutely. Thank you for having us, having me I'm like us having me here. I'm excited to be here. Of course. So financial freedom at the age of 30, I mean, that's crazy, at least relative to societal expectations. And I feel like you really need to reject the status quo to kind of be this kind of an outlier. And if you know me, you know, I love challenging the status quo. So can you walk us through your journey a little bit and, and how you blazed your own trail to achieve financial freedom by age 30? Yeah, you know, I... One of the things, with, and, it, and it, it highly is dependent on my partner to my husband. You know, he grew up in a household where his father worked, 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 and that's all he pretty much had to give. Like he was always working. And the same with my household, my mother, she always worked. And the both of us coming together, we realized, like, okay, that's not how we want to live our lives. Like we were grateful to have parents who were such hard workers. But we also was like, okay, is there another way? Is there a better way? Um, and so that's what allowed us to really start looking into finances. Like we, no one taught us about really managing our finances. We had to figure all of that out ourselves. And so when I was in college, I started saving. And I would work my job. I was in college full-time, working pretty much full-time hours. And I would work babysit. I almost consider creating like a babysitting company because it was so lucrative. <laughs> um, so I was like, you know what, let me just start saving some money. And so by the time I graduated, so let's say I graduated in May and then in December or November, I purchased my first home. And I knew that home was like my first investment property. I knew it was the home that I would eventually sell. And at the time I was working a job making like 14 or $16 an hour, but I had really good credit because I had a, cre a credit card and I would pay on time. And so having that in place allowed me to be able to get approved for a house. And honestly, my ho the house was like $125,000. Bought the house and just started doing DIY projects, changed out the granite and dim new flooring, new paint, everything. Um, and then we ended up moving and we made it a rental property. 
But as we were working our corporate jobs, we just constantly came up with like little side businesses or side hustles, right, to bring in additional income. And we also lived on the 50-50 rule for us. It's like we spent 50 of our income and we saved 50. So pretty much we live off of the person's income who ha- who made the least amount, really. So it was actually a difference between the 50-50. And so we would just save. We wanted to save. Um, and at the time, we didn't get into investing, right? We were just learning about investing. Um, and so then with time, we did start investing. And then we started other businesses. So outside of real estate, we started a project management and consulting business. Um, my husband primarily does that because he's an engineer. And we have a transportation and logistics company. And please understand, we did all of this while we were working. <laughs> <laughs> so we and we created these small businesses. I call them small but mighty businesses because they were profitable. They're making some good money. And we were still working our corporate careers. In our corporate careers, we were making six figures in those careers. So you start putting all of that together. And when it got to the point of me deciding to leave corporate, we just I was like, okay, we need to look at our finances because I'm about to leave. I want to make sure we're, we're good. And then by our surprise, we pretty much accomplished financial freedom. Like we didn't even know it. We were On just accident. Like, just like, whoa, <laughs> this is pretty good. Because we were so focused on the goal. We were so focused yeah. on getting it done and just saving and, I guess, working hard. I mean, we were working smart, not hard, but just working and saving, working and saving. Like, that's what we were doing. And then investing. Work, save, invest. Work, save, invest. Um, and it allowed us to accomplish financial freedom by 30. It's Yeah, that's so cool because... You know, I like to talk about and I hear a lot of other people talk about how you want to focus on the process, not necessarily the outcome. Like you have the goal, right? You don't want to have financial stress, but you guys just focused on that process and did what you could do. And eventually the outcome was there. You had financial freedom. So that's pretty cool. By the way, can we go back to what you said about purchasing a home for $125,000 in DFW? (laughs) That's kind of crazy to think about right now. Well, honestly, so the house was actually in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, okay. So it was it was close to LSU campus because I went to LSU. So, oh, it was not in DFW. I couldn't imagine trying to buy a house in DFW. Because like 10 years ago, that could have happened. But now with the way housing market has been here, it's been nuts. So. And, you know, one thing as I've, I've, as I've gotten older, one of, the, one of the things that just kind of came to me the other day was like, don't chase money, chase freedom. So yes. it's like you're cha- like yes, money is a part of that equation, but I'm always focusing on the end goal of freedom. And so it's like there's th- my decisions I make is always aligns with freedom, not the money. Because if you're chasing the money, sometimes it can just stress you out with certain things that you'll say yes to. Whereas I'm chasing freedom, so the things that I say yes to align with making sure that I'm I'm going to accomplish my goal of freedom all the time. Yeah, when you're when you're chasing freedom, um, you're serving yourself. When you're chasing money, you become a servant to the money. Yes. And no matter how much you get, somebody else is always going to have more. Absolutely. So yeah, it's really hard to get to that point. If you're chasing money, if you're chasing status, it's really hard to get to a point where you feel like, okay, I've achieved what I set out to achieve. But freedom, that's a whole different story. 
And freedom is something like money. My husband always says it. He's like, it's just at this point, it's just digits in your bank account. Like, it's not mm -hmm. something you don't, you, people don't walk around with cash like that anymore. You just have this plastic card that you swipe. So it doesn't even feel kind of, it doesn't really feel tangible anymore, but freedom does. Being able to wake up when you want to wake up, being able to do the things that you enjoy and love every day. That is what you really should be chasing, not the money. Yeah, that's ever since I left the corporate world where I was chasing money and started my own business, the entrepreneur mindset, um, which I've worked with a coach to help me with that. So I think coaches are, are very important. Um, but yeah, I'm at a point now where uh, I just want to cover my bills and, and my family and I, we don't live some lavish lifestyle. Maybe the lifestyle will increase over time, probably not too much, but I just want to cover my bills and then anything above and beyond that is just going to help me have more freedom, more control over my time. You know, you end up accumulating more wealth with that mindset, I think. You do. You do because it's, you're really focusing on the things that you want, what you enjoy. I don't know, just being able to, I look at it now, it's like just being able to travel when we want to. Like to me, that's priceless. Like if I get, if we can do that all the time, and if I have to say no to a few engagements because of it, I'm okay with that. Cause like you say, I'm, I'm, I'm very intentional about the way we're intentional about the way we use our money, the way that we budget, the way that we do all of those things so that we can have the freedom that we want. Yeah. And that's the thing is, is, um, wealth doesn't, we always think of wealth as just financial wealth, mm -hmm. but what you're describing, I mean, being able to get up in the morning, work on things you love, do what you want with your time, that's wealth. Like I could be sitting on the couch watching a movie with my wife and being really happy in that moment. And I could feel like, wow, I'm really wealthy right now. So mm -hmm. there's so much more to wealth than just the money. And so I love that, uh, that focus on freedom that you have. That's awesome. Absolutely. One thing I want to go back to real quick because it struck a chord with me is you mentioned how you and your husband kind of were raised in this mindset of work, 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 you know, and, and I can really relate to that. I, mm -hmm. I grew up in kind of this old school, you know, hard nosed blue collar type of a community where you just work hard, you work hard every day, you work for a, a company that's going to take care of you and, and good things happen. And you, you talked about how that allowed you to save a lot of money. And I sort of found myself in the same boat as well, because I didn't necessarily have a plan to leave my job and, and, and go into entrepreneurship. If I did, things would have been a lot easier. But I got to a point where I just couldn't take it anymore and I quit my job. And because I was able to save so much, um, I, I had more financial freedom than I thought. So all of this to ask you, do you think, are you anything like me where you were raised in kind of this scarcity mindset when it comes to money, which helped you to save, but now as an entrepreneur and, and you're valuing freedom a little bit more, you have to sort of switch from a scarcity to an abundance mindset. Can you relate to that at all? Or is that just me? Yeah, no, I can. You know, it's, and I mean, for me, it was a, a single mother household. And so growing up, you, I see my mother working these three different jobs, always going, going, going. But at the same time, 
having to care for kids, having jobs that really weren't paying that great, you do kind of get into that that scarcity mindset of where's the next where's the next money's going to come from? Like, are are you constantly always trading time for money? Um, and so sometimes I wouldn't see my mom for a few days because she we would miss each other. I'm going to school, she's going to work. Um, and so you do you have to switch that abundance mindset, knowing that now that I know, I'm like everything that I do or know I can monetize. So if I know how to paint a wall, I can get paid for that. If I know how to clean a house, I can get paid for that. If I know how to create spreadsheets, I can get paid for that. And because I have moved to that abundance mindset and that shift, it's like money is something that can all I can always get. Once you learn how to make money on your own, without having to depend on anyone else as far as like a company that you're working for, it really helps you shift your mindset. And to me, that's the best way for anyone to realize that is just look around. If you bake cakes, you can get paid for baking cakes. Like anything that you're doing, you can get paid for. So it's it really requires you to make that shift. And once you do, it's it's like no turning back. Yeah, that's such an important realization that you can monetize your skills, your knowledge, your wisdom. Um, and, and that puts the emphasis even more, I think, on what you said about um, valuing freedom more so than money. Because the more freedom you have, the more time you have to dedicate to those things that you're really good at and you really enjoy, which means you're going to increase your value in those areas to other people, which increases the probability that people will pay you for it. So. It's definitely a big mindset shift. And so if you're somebody who's who's sitting out there, you know, and, and listening and you're in your corporate job or you're a salesperson running to your next sales meeting, just trust me that I've been in your shoes and I've I've I haven't always had this mindset, but same. Same. I, I think it's worthwhile. I mean, once once you start to realize the opportunities and the potential that you have within you. So that's why I enjoy talking about this stuff. Yeah, and like allow yourself dream, right? Allow yourself to think outside of the box. Think, allow yourself to know that, think out more, knowing that there's more to life than if you want to work outside of the corporate world. And you can do both. I think that's what a lot of people think is like, it's all or nothing. But no, if you want to, you can still work a corporate job. But like my husband and I did, like we still had businesses or side hustles happening the whole time we were working full-time so it's okay to just do something different you don't have to follow the same path that people make you think you should follow um no you your your possibilities are endless so that brings me to another question i wanted to ask you because you have a lot of things going on right now and as you mentioned you and your husband achieved financial freedom with all these side hustles going on while you were working your corporate jobs. And to some people that may sound really overwhelming, having so many things on your plate, you know, so, so can you talk a little bit about how, how you diversify your time? You know, because if you're diversifying your time, you can get to a point where you're feeling like you're spread a little bit too thin. So how do you balance your time right now among those, you know, several different small but mighty businesses, as you referred to them. Yeah, so one thing, so if someone was to describe me in a few words, it was like, I am very structured, I am very disciplined, um, and I am very good about streamlining things. 
Um, and so that's why I actually coach people on that. But it's with those traits that I have, I'm able to really divide my time really, really well. Um, surprisingly, I don't get overwhelmed. I'm not a person to get overwhelmed. When I notice something isn't going as planned, I get to the point of prioritizing. And so that is how I really manage my time is by priorities. And so based on these, you can say three to four different businesses, I look at them across the board and look at the priorities. Okay, what needs to be done today? What needs to be done next week? What needs to be done? And then I structure my to-do that way. And then I have other people helping me. Like I don't have a huge team, but I do have some assistants that help me manage these things. And then my husband is kind of the out in the field type of person. He likes to do the more hands-on stuff. So he manages that. And I manage the paperwork, the meetings, the marketing, those type of things for the business, along with some help. And yeah, it's just the way I have it structured. I tell people they run like well-oiled machines. They just, they just go. And I know when there's certain things that need to be turned in, I know those deadlines. I make sure it's turned in before those deadlines. So it's really just being mindful of your timeline and being able to make sure that you show up consistently to make sure that you meet those those deadlines pretty much. Um, so yeah, from a time standpoint, I pretty much work six to eight hours a day, if that. Um, and some days I do work more, like and sometimes and I do work weekends. Sometimes when you become an entrepreneur, you realize like you have seven days mm-hmm. to do whatever you want with. It's no longer in that mindset of, oh, I have five days to work. And then, oh, thank goodness, I can decompress and just hang out on the weekend. Um, as an entrepreneur, I have the opportunity to choose any day I want to decompress. And so I just really don't limp, look at my weeks as five days anymore. I look at my weeks as seven days. Um, and sometimes I'll work every day in a week. And some days I may work four days out of the week. And some days I go on vacation and I don't work any. So it really just depends on kind of how things are going at that time in my life. But the beautiful thing is my businesses are created around my life, not my life around my businesses. Yeah, that's such an important distinction. As a business owner, you know, we create our own deadlines. And going back to the emphasis on freedom, you know, depending on how much money we need to have our freedom and to live our lives, then that's how much additional work that we're going to have to put in. So we don't have other people placing their deadlines on us, which is huge. And having that autonomy over time is is definitely a, a perk of entrepreneurship. Uh, and, and I think the other thing is just, uh, you know, know what you're not good at, right? If you are somebody who has lots of ideas and you think these ideas can make a lot of money, but it sounds overwhelming to manage multiple businesses, then maybe you just zero in on one, you know, and you create a financial plan that allows you a long enough runway to make that business successful. Or if you want to have diversified revenue streams, kind of like you and your husband do, then make sure that you, you know, hire a coach or a partner, somebody who can keep you structured and, and help you be a little bit more efficient in running your business. So I think that's so important. I heard, I forget who it was, but to use a football n- analogy, I heard a while back that you should double down on your strengths and punt your weaknesses. <laughs> yeah, I like that. 
I like that. And, you know, with the businesses, like you said, you can, the thing is when I tell people we have these four businesses, please understand before we, we did one at a time. It wasn't like we just said, oh, we're going to do all four of these at the same time. No, it was, we did one, we got it to a really solid point. Then we moved on to the next, did the same, then moved on to the next. So it was never like us trying to build 10 different business, all of these businesses at the same time. It was making sure they had a solid foundation. We had our systems, everything in place. Then we moved on to the next thing. Um, so yeah, so it can be done. Don't like, that's where I am at. That's where I'm now. That's not where I was when I started starting. We only started with one. Yeah. One step at a time, grow one business, get that to a point where that yeah, that's kind of the goal. Like you start a business, you get to a point where your time is freed up because you've got sort of some fi uh, financial foundation in place from that business. And that frees up your time to focus on some other things. And then you can move on to those. So yeah, one step at a time. I like that. So let's dive into the coaching business a little bit. Um, you know, I, I personally think there's tremendous value in in having coaches. I work with one right now. I plan to work with several, you know, uh, looking out into the future. And if you Google the growth in the coaching industry, there are some pretty staggering estimates. And Valencia, you you brought to my attention, uh, actually, this growth recently. So I'm curious to, to hear from you, what do you think is driving this? You know what, the beautiful thing about the coaching industry is you take your skills and the experience that you've had doing something and it could be anything that's the thing people think you just have to be a leadership coach or executive coach no you can be a how to throw a football coach I don't you know like I don't you can be any type of coach and monetize it and I believe that is why this industry is growing so well because people are exchanging knowledge at an insane rate it's different from reading a book than working with the person who actually lived it I literally wrote a post about this recently on LinkedIn about like I spent more on coaching than I did my MBA. And it was because I invest in myself. Every time I invest in myself through coaching, I'm increasing my revenue. I'm increasing my freedom. I'm increasing my happiness, my joy. And it's because I'm learning from people who've actually been where I want to be, right? Where I'm trying to strive to get there. And so having that real life experience is priceless. And that's why I believe a lot of people, a lot of people are investing in coaching and a lot of people are becoming coaches. So there's this exchange going between knowledge and people are just seeing the amazing results that coaching actually brings to their lives. And I was thinking about it. You got to think about athletes. Athletes have always had coaches. And so the people you have athletes in the NFL, NBA, whatever, and they all have strength coaches. They have their head coach, their assistant coach. They are surrounded by coaches to help them be their best, their best selves. You know, so coaching just opens up this world that allows people to really thrive. And one of the a cool thing I kind of thought about recently, it's like, you got to think about coaching is almost like something the wealthy always had. And now it's accessible to everyone now because the people up top, 
they always had people that they can reach out to and mentor them to help them elevate more. And now people are realizing like, hey, this can really help me get to where I need to be. And I feel like the rich and the wealthy have been doing it forever. And now everyone else is like, okay, now I can, we can do this for ourselves too. That's such a good point. It's it's just crazy when you look around and you see um, how many different types of services uh, that the internet and social media is democratizing. I feel the same way in the wealth management industry. You know, historically you had to have half a million dollars or more to get really good wealth management advice. And I've designed a business that allows anyone access to it at a lower fee because I'm embracing technology. And because like you said, information flows so easily and and people want that ability to collaborate with somebody that they trust. Uh, One thing that you said is, is um, how it's better than reading a book or like taking a course to actually work with somebody who's lived with it. And one of my friends recently, we were having a conversation where he talked about how books and courses are not transformational. They can be good yeah. from an educational standpoint for somebody that's already experienced that that transformation and now wants your expertise. You could make that available in a course or a book. But for people that want to travel that path that you've already traveled, that one-to-one consulting, that human connection, I mean, it it makes us perform better. I like the analogy you used about athletes, you know, because a lot of times I think about it like, you know, a personal trainer, you know, if you go into the gym, you could know exactly what you need to do. But unless you got that person that's busting your butt a little bit and holding you accountable, it might not get done. And uh, I, I just think it's such a valuable service. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's, it's people's hack to success. Like people don't, it's truly their, their key and hack to success is finding a coach to work with. So you're very clear when, when I think about, um, a coach, I think of, uh, you know, kind of all these, these benefits that are maybe intangible when I'm describing them, but you get very concrete when you're speaking to your clients and your potential clients, and you talk about helping them make a $10,000 per month income stream from their business. So I'm curious, where does this figure come from and how do you help people to get there? So most coaches are people who were in corporate America, right? Most coaches are people who got to the point where they learned a lot and they're like, okay, now I want to share that skill and knowledge with others. And the reason why I came up with the 10K amount is because that is like that that beginning stage of six figures. And six figures is huge for a lot of people. People want to be able to make six figures. And so for me, the 10K plus, because I put the plus on there, is allowing people to, okay, knowing that if you work with me, I'm going to help you get that to that six-figure mark and beyond if you want to. If you put in the work, you do the things that I'm teaching you, you can get to that six-figure and beyond standpoint. And that's because I'm a business coach and strategist. And I have developed multiple businesses and I've learned what works well, what doesn't work. I've bumped my head enough to now I can transfer that knowledge and information to other business owners. Yeah. And you think about it this way. If you have $10,000 per month coming in, Mm $120,000 per year, for some people, if you're a corporate executive or you're a high paid salesperson, that may be a pay cut. 
For some people, it may not yeah. be. But even if that's a pay cut for you, think about, again, what we were talking about before, about sort of valuing time and freedom over the actual mm -hmm. money. So if that 120000 can afford you a decent lifestyle where you get to prioritize your family a little bit more, you get to prioritize passions a little bit more yeah. than your work, you know, the grind day in and day out. And then you've got, like, let's say you're 40, 50 years old and, and you start your own business and you, and you start making six figures on it. And then you have another 10 to 20 years of compounding growth left on your retirement assets, which you've been diligently accumulating into your 401k for the last 10 to 20 years, whatever it's been. Um, and then at that point in, in your 60s, you also will have access to Social Security. So like at that point, when, when you're actually at retirement age, you know, quote unquote, retirement age. You're going to be thriving financially, yeah. hopefully, unless you screw something up. Um, so I just think thinking of it in that terms, like how can you create a bridge to get from where you are now, which is unhappy, you know, being employed, doing work that doesn't really excite you. How do you create that bridge, you know, to your 60s when you will be financially thriving mm -hmm. while having a little bit more fun and enjoying life more today? So that's kind of the way that I think about it as a financial planner. Yeah, and I love that. And, you know, that the 10K is just a starting point. You know, it's like that's that's where you start. Like that's your first goal in business, especially that service-based business where you're coaching because I, I, I help coaches. So with that, it's that's that service-based business where you're doing the one-on-one. -on -one. It still allows you to still have freedom. You're not overwhelmed getting to that. 10k plus that 10k amount but the goal is to be able to scale that goal is be is for you to be able to streamline to automate to delegate to the point where that 10k turns into 20 then 30 then 40 it can grow as much as you want to but when you have the systems and everything in place for 10k that allows you to continue to grow with ease mm -hmm. um, and so that's why i start with the 10k because i'm like if people aren't at the 10k yet and I put the plus because some people I work with are at the 10K and now they're ready to move on beyond the 10K. So it's really there to make sure people know this is possible, right? Giving them that tangible result, like knowing if you put all of the elements I tell you in place, you can walk away with making 10K plus per month. Yeah, I think, and it's it's important to point out, like if you get to a point where you're consistently generating $10,000 a month, you've proven the business yes. works. And you can scale that as much as you want to, as much time as you want to put in or as, as efficiently as you want to manage your time, you can scale that business. But I think going into it and thinking, you know what, maybe I'm going to take a 50% pay cut now, but if I have a financial plan that allows me to absorb that and gives me enough runway to get things off the mm -hmm. ground. And I know for sure my future is going to be taken care of. Well, not for sure, because I can't make any guarantees, obviously, as right. a financial advisor. But if you have a reasonable expectation that your future is secure, I just think that helps from a mindset standpoint going in, you know, uh, with, with the right expectations, I guess. So what advice would you have, Valencia, for someone who is miserable in their corporate job or, or, you know, hopping on a plane right now and wishing they can be with their family of, uh, 
you know, how, how they can monetize their knowledge and experience. Like what, what's kind of general advice that you would give to somebody who's just kind of starting to flirt with this idea? So there's a, there's a few paths that I would recommend depending on the person I'm speaking to. So there's a path of transition, right? So really knowing, like, if you're at a point and you know, like, I no longer want to be in this career, I want to go into entrepreneurship, then there's a transition phase. You want to start thinking about your who, what, and how, right? And your, your who is, who is it that you want to serve? So your target audience and think about the people that you're primarily surrounded by. I've noticed that when people create businesses and they work with people that they're around all the time, it makes it a lot easier for them to be successful. So one thing I know a guy like he he was a police officer and so he created a service or offering for police officers and and police officers have a tight bond. So them knowing he's a police officer, they purchase whatever it is that he was offering. And because of that, he was able to grow his business very quickly. So it's thinking about who is your target audience. The next thing is, what is it that you're going to offer them? Is it a product? Is it a service? What is it that you can create to help them solve a problem that they're experiencing? So don't assume what people want or need. Just talk to people. Say, hey, I want to serve this audience. What's the biggest problem this audience is facing? And see if your skill set aligns with it. Or go the opposite way and say, here's my skill set. How can this help this audience? And so you want to make sure that your skill set matches the audience needs. And then the last part is how will you deliver it? Will it be virtual? Will it be in person? Will it be a group? Will it be a product? Think about that piece and be able to start. Then from there, you can put all of those three elements together and start selling whatever it is that you're offering a service or a product. But it's taking the time to do the research, really getting clear on what it is that you want to do but also what people need. And that's where I see a lot of entrepreneurs mess up is they think, oh, I just came up with this amazing idea. I'm about to sell it to everyone. And people are like, we don't even need that. Like, what is that? And so I tell people, if you come up with an idea, get on the phone and start asking people, hey, and don't get discouraged when people be like, oh no, I don't like that. Like, it's okay. Think about their pains and dreams and make sure you're talking to your ideal, the ideal people you would want to work with. Not just random people. You just like, oh, I want to just get their opinion, because everyone, a lot of people don't don't understand entrepreneurship fully, especially people that have have gone with the status quo, and it's it's challenging for people to understand where you're trying to go with your path. So really, be intentional about the people you get on the phone with, not just yes people, but people who can really give you some solid insight. So that would be the the first few recommendations. I think, yeah, finding your ideal client is so important. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah it, it helps with your messaging. So one way to, obviously, a very important way to, to grow a business online right now is um, with the content that you're creating. And it becomes so much easier to create content that's relevant and helpful to your to your uh, uh, potential clients if you have an ideal person in mind and it can be kind of scary to to do that at least i felt that way because sometimes we feel like the more specific we get the more we're abandoning people who would potentially be our clients 
Um, but I think you would probably agree that that's not the case, especially in the age that we live in, where it's much easier to find those ideal clients and be more selective. Mm -hmm. So can you explain that a little bit to, to those who are um, thinking, yeah, I've got an ideal person in mind, but what are the chances I'm going to find 50 people that will pay me? It is possible, depending on what it is that you're selling, you're offering, you know, the whole nine. But really, it's when I started out, I was servicing all business owners. And yes, I was getting some good traction with that, but it wasn't it wasn't growing as fast as I wanted to. And it wasn't as fulfilling because I was having to customize everything for everyone. And that is a lot, especially in a service business when you're trying to coach people and then every person I'm coaching, I'm creating different plans for. And that made me get to the point where I was like, okay, I have to find an audience. And I decided to go with coaches because I was surrounded by coaches and I wanted to bring some of the innovative things that I learned from other industries into the coaching industry. And because of that, I tell you now, I niche down and I market directly to coaches that's in my messages, all of my posts, everything. And I still have clients that's copywriters, real estate agents. Um, I'm still attracting other people. So I think people get, like you say, people get afraid. They're like, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to run everybody else away from me. But if your messaging is good and the outcome that you are telling people you can help them with, if it's something that other people want, they're still going to come to you. They're still going to come to you. Like I told you, I still have clients from all different industries. Um, and I vet them though. I see, okay, is this a person I really want to work with and help? And can I still use a lot of what I already created with them? Cause I don't want to increase my workload. And if I can, and it works and it aligns, then I say, yes, let's go. So it, it really does not hinder you. You just, it's just about the way that people really position themselves that can make all the, a whole difference for them, a big difference. Yeah. All right. Well, Valencia, thank you so much for, for coming on today and sharing with us a little bit uh, about your story um, and, and how you help people. If the listeners want to find out more information about you or some of the several small and mighty businesses that you run, where's the best place to find information about you? Yeah. So LinkedIn is my space and place on in this online world. Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn at Valencia for Valencia Bennett. You can find me there. The next is my website for my business. My company name is Savvy Method. So it's S-A-V-V-Y-M-E-T-H-O-D.com. So you can find me at Savvy Method. And I am now have a YouTube channel. So I am trying to grow that. This is it's always fun trying to do something new. So I am on YouTube and my YouTube channel is Savvy Method. And so you can find me there as well. Awesome. Well, that's exciting stuff. Well, thank you again, Valencia. And um, at some point, we're going to have to get together and, and like we talked about, have some kind of LinkedIn DFW happy hour or something. Oh, absolutely. Got to build those relationships. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. All right. Well, take care. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening today. And if you have a moment, check out my website at reflectivewealth.com. Everything you need to know about my business is there. Because if there's one thing I've learned in my career, 
Transparency and accountability are critical to a healthy financial services industry. Thanks and see you next time.